It doesn't take a lot of humility to talk, but it does take a lot of humility to really listen. When we talk, we're on the center stage. We're the star of the show. When we listen, we become a part of the supporting cast. To listen properly, you must have a servant attitude. And your posture must be that of allowing the other person to talk. And you speak when it's necessary for you to speak. Requires you to put your whole inner and outer man at another person's disposal. And in effect, by doing that, you're saying to the other person, your interests, your concerns, your problems, your successes or your failures are more important than mine. And so I'll allow you to talk. I will listen to whatever you have to say as long as it's biblically appropriate. I will allow you to express yourself more fully as I yield myself to you. I will focus on what is important to you rather than on what is important to me. While explaining his parable about the many kinds of soil, four kinds of soil, actually, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus gave us important insight into what constitutes good listening. He spoke of those who hear but really do not hear. On the surface, it would appear that they were hearing and listening, but they really weren't. Now, that may sound like double talk to say that they appeared to be listening, but weren't really listening. But Jesus leaves no room for doubt as to what he means by the phrase, they hear, but they don't hear. But he who has ears, let him hear. He asks the explanatory words, they hear, but they do not understand. According to Jesus, real hearing involves understanding what the other person says in the way he or she means it to be understood. And until this happens, You hear it in the way the other person really means it. Until that happens, you haven't really heard the other person. In counseling, when one family member has accused another of saying something hurtful or offensive, I've often heard the accused person say, I didn't say that. You misunderstood me. Here's what I actually said. For weeks, even months and years, a person may have been stewing over something, concerned about something. 
that has never really been said and the other person has misconstrued what the other person was feeling and thinking and saying and they don't even realize that they haven't heard the other person. They misconstrued the other person without even knowing that they were not understanding because they hadn't really listened. Now, making sure that you correctly heard another person's words is one thing, and it's an important first step. Make sure you really hear what the other person is saying. But two people may use the same words and mean two different things because they're using words in different ways. It's been said that the five most important words are just saying very clearly in a very calm and say, would you repeat that for me? People may say, use the same words, but mean two different things. The most commonly used words in the English language, we're told, have about 8,000 different meanings. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they say. I do know that two people may use exactly the same words and understand these words quite differently. Just think of the varying ways that people understand the words, I love you. The word right has many different definitions. And what it means to be faithful or gentle or kind or on time or considerate may vary greatly. One person's discussion may be another person's argument. Frugality may involve submission, respect, and proper behavior. And there are a few other words that are often used and given numerous interpretations. In John chapter 2, Jesus' words about destroying the temple were completely misunderstood. See it in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. By temple, Jesus meant his physical body. But the people who barely heard what he had to say, they never took the time to try to find out what he meant by the word temple. He wasn't talking about the building. He was talking about his own body. Destroy this temple. He was talking about what was going to happen to him when he was put on a cross. Well, they completely misunderstood it and thought that he was talking about destroying the physical temple that was there in Jerusalem. And three years later, 
They hurled that interpretation against Jesus as an accusation when he was on trial for his life before the Sanhedrin, the court system body of people. That's Matthew chapter 26, verses 59 through 61. Well, by temple, he meant his physical body. But the people thought he was talking about the literal temple in Jerusalem. And they hurled that at, at him as an accusation that he was going to destroy the physical temple. Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus gives us another illustration of how you can use similar words but have two different meanings. In this instance, in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, Jesus talked about the new birth. You must be born again. Now, he had one concept of the new birth or rebirth, but Nicodemus had another understanding of what he was talking about. Jesus had spiritual rebirth in mind. As he challenged Nicodemus with the necessity of having been born again. But Nicodemus was on a different wavelength, thinking in terms of physical rebirth. He couldn't imagine how a grown man could be born again. Though he actually heard Jesus' words, he interpreted them wrongly He was thoroughly confused and he needed to ask Jesus to explain what he meant by being born again. Early in our marriage, my wife and I experienced similar misunderstandings because we sometimes use similar words with different meanings. I would talk and assume that we were completely agreed, yet an issue would come up and it became evident that we weren't in agreement because we may use the same word, but have a different understanding of what those words meant. We had to become aware of that. We would have to talk about things and explain, you said this, what did you mean by what you said? And so then you would get the full support of the other person. I would get the full support of my wife and she would get the full support of me we find out that we may use the same words and not be in agreement on something because we understood those words differently. And so, you know, you expect the other person's full support because you use the same words. And then only later do you discover 
that your agreement was not as complete as you thought it was. Well, that's what my wife and I had to learn at the beginning of our marriage. We had to learn that sometimes we meant one thing and the other person would mean something slightly or even greatly different by the same words. Different understandings of words and phrases may be problematic in that two people may think they disagree on an issue when in fact their views may be compatible. They may use the same words thinking that they do agree, but really not agree because they're using the words differently. Or they may think they disagree, but they really don't disagree because they're using different words, but meaning exactly the same thing. Well, my wife and I had to learn to communicate more effectively in that way and to ask the other person to define or explain what they meant by that particular word. Yeah, here is a situation with uh, Frank. He uh, thought they disagreed when in fact their views were very compatible. Frank used a word or phrase meaning one thing and then the other person interpreted it differently more strongly than Frank intended. And so he responds negatively because Frank is unaware of the misinterpretation. He can't comprehend why Dave is getting upset. He thinks that Dave is just being unreasonable. Frank finds himself struggling with frustration and anger because they really may either use the same word and have different understanding of that word, or they may use a different word and mean the same thing. So in communication, there has to be explanation and sometimes questioning, taking the time to really make sure that you agree or that you disagree. Well, seeking to ascertain what other people mean by the words they use is a second step on the pathway to understanding. And then steps three and four consist of trying to get an accurate reading on what a person is feeling and what he's trying to accomplish through his words. The same words may mean different things depending on the speaker's emotions and his purpose for speaking. I've sometimes heard my son call his little daughter, you silly goose. By itself, that phrase could seem like a put-down for his daughter. But if you hear my son use these words, you would know that he is expressing love and adoration to his daughter, even with those rather strange words. The tone and warmth of the voice when 
a word is used or when a, a phrase is used may make it clear that the other person with my son was it was a way of saying I really love you and I delight in you as my daughter. Well, good listeners have learned to ask, what is the speaker feeling? What is he trying to accomplish through his speech? Suppose I say, I'm leaving. You could hear these words and completely misunderstand what I meant by them. The actual words may be easy to understand, determining an intended message acquires an accurate reading of the emotional state and the purpose for which the words are spoken. And that will depend upon several factors, such as the emotional state that will depend upon the time of day. It just depends on a number of different things because using the same words or the same phrase may give a number of different messages. I might simply be giving information to my family about my whereabouts. I'm upstairs. In case I'm needed, I'm upstairs. Or if I was upset about something, I might be communicating, I don't want to see you. I'm staying away from you right now. Words might be spoken in a motivational, invitational way. I might be implying that I hope my wife and children want to come upstairs with me. And then again, my purpose might be protective. It may be punitive or even vindictive. Maybe I'm really upset with someone and want to get away from that person because I'm afraid of what he or she might do. I might want to let someone know that I'm so badly hurt that I can't stand to be around them anymore. Good listening includes seeking to identify the emotions that the speaker is feeling and even the purpose of his speech. But here's the catch. Since you and I are not omniscient, we're not all-knowing, We can't read hearts as Jesus does in John chapter 2, verses 24 and and 25. He said he didn't need anybody to testify to him of of that which was in man because he knew what was in man. That was Jesus, but we're not Jesus. We're not omniscient. We can't really read their hearts. And so we must be slow to speak and slow to draw conclusions. We must avoid making hasty, presumptuous judgments about another person's intentions. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 2, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in stating his own opinion or revealing his own mind. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 13, he who gives an answer before he really hears what the person is saying, before he really listens, is folly and shame. Proverbs 18, verse 13. And the Bible says the mind of the prudent, if you're really prudent and wise, you will acquire knowledge. And the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. That's Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 13. It says, listen to counsel that you may be wise. That's Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 20. And let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak. James chapter 1 and verse 19. And the Bible says, Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 7. People who want to become good listeners must apply the principles of these scripture verses that I've just mentioned to their listening habits. Be slow to speak. Don't think you know what the other person really is saying or meaning and that you're omniscient, but rather ask some questions. Looking to God for his grace Christians must be willing to exercise discipline and do the hard work of developing biblical patterns of listening, which will enable that person both to hear and to understand. Unfortunately, it's rare to find someone who will actually make an effort to overcome his poor habits. Becoming a better listener is relegated to the nice but not really necessary category. My study of scripture and my counseling experience has led me to conclude that people just are often not very good listeners. Scripture makes it clear that that's very important. For the Christian who wants to build a strong family or God relating, good godly relationships, he must study to be a good listener. He must go to God's school of lifelong listening. <laughs>